Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. Excuse me, across the pond version, Andrew Henderson, every Tuesday like clockwork, he's here. Today, he's a peeping Tom, but he's here. <laughs> Good morning. You, you to explain that. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to welcome Jay Truett again from his, um, his bunker in Puerto Rico. How are you doing, Jay? You all right? Doing well. It's, uh, it's been a crispy, cold Christmas here. We got down in the low 70s oh, um, overnight. Well, kind of the low 70s, 74 yeah. And uh, if there's some noise outside, it's because they're uh, they're still weed eating around the, the the edge of the property here. So, uh, so. Uh, I, I'm sure that's why Frank Rash, Norborn, <laughs> Missouri, can't join us today because he's weed eating around the property, Jim. <laughs> you know what? Uh, Frank yeah. be doing something productive, though. I'm I'm sure he is. Right? He's no, not- it's it's Frank. <laughs> he's probably actually feeding a bunch of pigs this morning. So. <laughs> he doesn't have the same number of pigs he did when you were his neighbor. Oh, that's true. The thing is, Jay, I don't know how they're going to intru- engineer a new strain of COVID that can only survive over 70 degrees Fahrenheit for just for oh. the Caribbean islands. But right. it's coming. Oh. It's coming. They'll do it. They'll do it. Yep. Well, see, so you you want to know? I mean, I know. I mean, we're gonna. I know we're gonna talk about something else in a little bit, but it is kind of interesting just to just to see what these little island nations have done and how they've responded, right? Yeah. And so you can still get in and out of Puerto Rico. You've got to have an actual molecular test, and there's lots of things that you have to do to come to Puerto Rico, but you can come here to go to. The- and you can do basically a little bit less than that and still get into the U.S. Virgin Islands, which is just literally just a few miles from me here. But to go to the British Virgin Islands is nigh on impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and, ah, we've, we've got the new strain, haven't we? Have you we do. And, and, the, and here about two weeks ago, a guy from was uh, was sailing around the U.S. Virgin Islands, and he had some guests on board, and he strayed over into the uh, British waters because Whoa. they were having some trouble with his boat, and he kind of just like let it drift for a little bit. Well, the 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 BVI Coast Guard and uh, Immigration Enforcement arrested them all, and now they put them in quarantine. Oh my goodness! <laughs> in the British Virgin Islands, and it's—I uh, laugh because uh, they can't seem to solve it all diplomatically. We're, you know? we're just practicing for when we've got to do that to the French on January the first. <laughs> <laughs> I told—I so, <laughs> did—I did tell somebody uh, I was uh, in a conversation with some people in DC. The whole subject matter came up, right? And I yeah. said. Uh, I said, you know, if I was going to be a close advisor to the president, this is how you know I'm not. Um, (laughs) I would would call him and and tell him just to literally just to make a quick call down there and say, ask Grenada how that works. When you hold American citizens, uh, you know, against their will for for a few days, just see how that works. Um, 
put him on a plane back now. Yeah, <laughs> um, Jay, uh, Jay, not to worry, but have you got a, an 18 foot python in your room? Because something's in there that's making one heck of a noise. There's a lot of grass around the outside, Jay. That's too much grass. <laughs> it's really great. He's almost, he's almost gone. He's wandering down to the other end of the building. It'll get yeah. done. I think there's something that you could clear up for all of us, Jay, because I probably have no better idea of what the relationship is with Puerto Rico than anybody. And you, we learned last week, maybe on or off air, that you did some lobbying for Puerto Rico. Well, what exactly is our relationship with Puerto Rico and how do we work together? So they're a, they're a territory, uh, right, which I think everybody basically understands. And what that means is that they come under the U.S.'s purview from a military and strategic standpoint uh, in the Caribbean. And I think that probably still is the primary reason for the United States to keep uh, Puerto Rico close at hand. We're uh, not as close as Florida uh, to Cuba, but we are um, in close proximity to Cuba. Uh, it gives uh, the United States a base of operation from here that they can uh, operate from. Um, and, and truthfully, um, there, uh, up until about 15 years ago, there was a really close offshore manufacturing relationship between the United States and Puerto Rico, um, specifically in regards to pharmaceuticals. There were some tax incentives that the U.S. Congress allowed Puerto Rico to pass, which... Uh, um, had every major manufacturer of pharmaceuticals in the world was here to supply the U.S. market. Um, mm. That went away, and so did all the jobs and everything associated with it. Um, but for uh, for decades, I know I hear him he's back. He, he heard me say something, and so he decided to like the train hey, literally I, two feet from. As a guy who has spent twenty years doing remote radio. If if you pick a spot that there's nothing happening, immediately <laughs> upon saying good morning and welcome to the program, there yeah. will be 12 things happen that would not have happened before. We oh, just yeah. now need to clean these halls if you're yeah. in a convention center. <laughs> I, no, I, that's I, usually, I, that, isn't that usually when the mule just starts to just bray, not stop for about three minutes straight. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I think I, I I was get I was enjoying this. I thought we're on the set of Harry Potter Nine here. Yeah? I, <laughs> I thought it's going to be a great big some some horrible lizard going to jump out into the middle of the screen in a minute. But there you no, go. That we do have lots of lizards, right? And I mean, if, if you ever come down here and you don't see an iguana, you weren't here, uh, right? I mean, they are everywhere, and uh, some of them are pretty big, right? But they don't bother us. So uh, I'm asking you about the the territory of Puerto Rico because I'm wondering what steps we need to take to create recreate the Great Plains territory. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I don't think I don't think you want to be a territory if it means that um that you function in the relationship the way it is. So so again, kind of to finish your question and this will help you understand um the good and the bad to it. Um, so it is a socialist republic for all practical purposes. Mm -hmm. um, there's that's the downside. Um, the um, uh, the good part of it is is that they do have a, a really strong relationship with uh, their parent. And, you know, every socialist republic needs to get their money from somewhere, and in our case, it's the United States. Uh, 
so if you become a, a, a socialist republic territory, uh, you'll have to find a big brother somewhere. And that means that Andrew has to send you a check. I, I, I can be a territory without being a socialist republic. It's possible. I don't need the federal government breathing down my neck, taking my money, giving me nothing unless they extort me. That's yeah. what I don't need. I would agree. Which is why we left Andrews privy in 1776. Yeah. And it took us several years to do it. And we're now More on like 1881. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. 1882, by the way, Andrew. It's amazing the first... how everything's around in a circle then, isn't it? Trent? Yeah. <laughs> the world is, is, is cyclical. There's no doubt about it. 1882 was the first string of lights put on a Christmas tree. How about that? Oh, here's an interesting fact. Yeah. I think it was a celebratory for the 1881. Uh, no, I don't know what happened in 1881. Yeah, I do. The end of the cattle drive era. Oh, okay. Uh, that's true. Right. Yeah. Mm. Well, the, um, if you look at, the, you know, the first Christmas lights and, and, uh, and what's happening at the moment, this is probably going to be the, the first Christmas when... <laughs> Many people in the UK don't actually spend it with their immediate family, which is uh, unreal, really. One of, the, is, uh... one of the interesting dynamics um, um, seems to be that uh, we can actually say the word Christmas in public and uh, offend slightly fewer people now. Uh, in Puerto Rico, it doesn't offend anyone. You think we offend fewer people by saying Christmas? Uh, I meant me as in my wife and I, not you two clowns. <laughs> I, know you, uh, I know you guys live to offend people. So that's, I mean, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no. we don't. Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico does do Christmas now. And I mean, they, they do it. Uh, there's no snow here, right? And there's no, there's not an evergreen tree on the island that I'm aware of. I haven't seen every tree, obviously, because the whole island is covered in trees. But um, you can put lights on a palm tree, and everybody does. And how would you get up there? Oh, it's rolled out. Jay Truett, Andrew Henderson, across the pond version. We have successfully gone through the first segment, and all we did was inspire Warren Tungate to come up with Texit, the Texas exit from the Union. Really genuine, Warren. The stand at Paxton County is happening on Netflix, and it will for the next four years. It shares the story of how the ownership of animals has been challenged. Watch the stand at Paxton County. Jay Truett had that assignment last week. Did he complete it? I have watched it. Yes, sir. We'll be back with more Roll Route after this. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Loose alongside Jay Truett, who is tan. Too much sun. I don't think he's using enough sunblock. Andrew Henderson, he's not tan, and he's actually Caribbean. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, actually, on the same, Jay, listen to this one. I read, now, obviously, it is on social media, so it might be a, a tad not accurate, but it, it did make me smile, this, that Scotland is missing its emissions targets for uh, the Green New Deal. Do you know what the reason is? <laughs> Please. What is the reason Scotland's missing its targets? I can't. I honestly don't, couldn't even guess. It's been too cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you could have oh, made it. Up. 
Jay, any uh, any bales of hay in the post in the last week, or have you not got any? No. He doesn't get no. that, Andrew, so we'll move on. <laughs> you, you do get that, don't you, Jay? No, I don't think I do. Maybe well, I know. If you stand at Paxton County, there was one guy that wouldn't give his best friend a bale of hay. Oh, that's you know? right. Yeah. yeah. He yeah, can't yeah. let that go, Jay. That's his <laughs> biggest deal. And <laughs> yeah. I didn't write the script. I just read no, the script. No, no. You know what? Director, the, the director was a brilliant typecast player, though. He knew yeah. what he was doing. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew knows that some people are good people and some people just aren't. Right. So, uh, switching to good people, rumor <laughs> has it that uh, President Trump has now hired his inauguration speaker. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a true story. That's a true rumor. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I you know who I hope it is. I hope it's Michael Flynn. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> that would be good. That that I'd pay to see that. I'd pay to see that. Um, yeah. And um, okay, so Jay, who's going to start talking about this last week in uh, American election politics? Do, do you want to go first, or uh, what's your what's your take on where we are now? Oh, I think so. I think uh, a couple things that have happened that matter, right? Um, number one, uh, there's a growing list of uh, members of the House that are willing to make this January sixth move. Uh, some yep. senators. Uh, a, a, a really teensy, weensy number of them are beginning to suggest that maybe they would uh, second that um, motion yeah. and sign on to that motion. Um, yeah. Maybe it's best if they don't play that out in front of us because it allows the opposition to kind of um, start formulating their narrative early. And right now, most yeah. of the press in the United States is just blowing past what happens on January 6th. Yeah. Uh, that's probably for the best, honestly. Um, but the, I think, I mean, to me, in the, in the conversations that I've had with people that are uh, um, trying to work the gears on this whole election process and, and do it calmly, um, the, the, the taking up of the Pennsylvania case and pushing that case to the Supreme Court seems to be what the legal team has put their, you know, put their hopes and dreams in. And uh, uh, if we wanted to, if we wanted to uh, do one thing prior to this whole process that could prove how the establishment systems in Washington, D.C., don't work. We did it over the weekend and yesterday with the passage of this stimulus package and the continuation of funding uh, for the federal government. It is just loaded with, you can't describe it as anything other than just, it's not pork, it's just junk uh, that got dumped into there that we would have never done any other way. And uh, uh, whether Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, but my my awareness and studying a few of these stimulus packages, it's just giving the people enough to kind of shut them up. Six hundred dollars, maybe is that what that said? Yeah. But it's a way of passing some special package that that the Nancy Pelosi or whoever it is has been on the payroll of for a long time, and people don't pay attention because they don't look at the details. Yeah. 
I think that's exactly right. And, you know, I, I mean, this morning, uh, kind of in preparation for this conversation, you know, um, and me just being of my nature, I pull up and try to look through that package myself. And, you know, um, you still really can't see the finished package. Um, I know I've had people send me bootleg copies of it, right? But I also know that those are <laughs> copies that staffers had prior to the final package. And so they're not even the final final thing, you know, that, that the members of Congress, um, the members of the House voted for and that the Senate is going to vote and, and, and send to the president. Um, I, I mean, you look at that thing, though, and altogether we, we did something like $2.3 trillion worth of funding in the last uh, uh, 72 hours. That's what we actually did. People are the, the way it'll get covered, right? Is that we did nine hundred and eight billion, uh, less than a trillion, and um, uh, for stimulus. Yeah. But but really, that's not completely accurate because a bunch of the continuing uh, funding and the appropriations and the and, and our normal government operations included a bunch of money that was stimulus based as well. The problem is none of that is going to be anything remotely like stimulus. Uh, they did do a couple things that we should have done a long time ago. They finally uh, included the provisions on making uh, business meals and deductions tax deductible again in the United States, which it should have been for a long time, right? That's a normal operating business expense for a lot of businesses. Um, I think I, I think that, that from the outside looking in, Jay, I think that um, this will be remembered very, very badly in years to come as a as a disgraceful sham, political sham that went on for far too long in a crisis mm-hmm. in a nation. And um, uh, I think uh, that the McConnell, the McConnell Pelosi um, ha- hand hug that we saw yesterday will become infamous. Yeah, probably so. Uh, because I, I, I think it's a complete sham. It's just a bipartisan but, sham, I might add. Pardon? A bipartisan sham. It's not, sham, this is not just a democratic sham. This is a bipartisan sham. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's what I'm saying. I think it's, yeah. uh, it, 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 it personifies everything right. that is wrong currently with politics in the United States of America and the media. My, my, uh, so I, I would just say this, too. And again, I listened to you all's earlier program, right, where you're talking about what's going on in agriculture worldwide, food security and all of those sorts of things and food production yeah. systems. And the uh, the truth is what what people in agriculture i think are going to have to start focusing on here is is this basic concept that um we're we're going to we're going to prepare a farm bill um uh here in the united states which will be a uh a challenge by half of the world uh for violating general agreements on tariffs and trade in the first place but more importantly uh we're going to do it with 23 trillion in debt and it takes it takes uh, uh, Washington DC right past the midterm elections to get worried about debt again for literally for a year that happens yeah. to be the year that we're going to debate a farm bill and uh, hmm. we uh, the, the the other thing that's kind of got left out here in the middle of all of this I think, and, and this is one of those things that does become kind of a geopolitical um, discussion. I would bet anything it's happening in every single country around the world 
um, that, that we count on that matters that really contributes to the world economy. And that's this. We've been tracking unemployment numbers as an, as an indicator and employment numbers in major manufacturing as a measure of success for economies and political decisions now for decades. The problem is, is that virtually nobody is counting small business, single mom and pop businesses that have disappeared in, in countries like the United States, they're not eligible for unemployment, so we can't track them that way. No, so I don't want to. It's the same I, in the UK. In I fact, do have to interrupt you just for a moment, Jay, because we're right at a break. But I saw somebody reporting 100,000 small businesses have permanently gone out of business. That cannot be even close to accurate. No. And I got to go to a break. So. Uh, Amanda Radke does ask the question that I wanted to ask. Jay, you can answer this yes or no. Will the president veto that package? I don't think so, no. It is rural routes. I want to remind you about Lone Creek Cattle Company, the opportunity to add a value to the beef that you produce, but you also need to capture the value. The Piedmontese cattle, which originated from Italy, but the Americans made them functional. Might just add that. Possess the myostatin gene. It's an inactive myostatin gene. That means that muscle continues to grow unregulated, kind of like a federal program, actually. But in this case, the beef is more tender. It is the most tender beef that you can consume, and you as a producer need to be paid for that. So Lone Creek Cattle Company has established a system to get you closer to the consumer's food dollar, and that is what all food producers, farmers, and ranchers around the world need. More details from Marlon Will at Lone Creek cattlecode.com. We'll be back with the second half of Rural Route right after this. Welcome back to Rural Route. Trent Luce alongside Jay Truitt, an undisclosed location at a territory somewhere back in 1882, I think. Andrew Henderson coming to us from the UK where Scotland is frozen. Okay. Uh, so, Andrew, uh, you wanted to chime in on the small businesses because you have to see the same exact thing taking place in the UK. Yeah. And I am a small business myself. And um, uh-huh. I can see that the effect of, uh, you know, what worries me is that the people that are benefiting from this pandemic, if that's what we want to call it, are the globalist businesses like Amazon, the large supermarkets, all of those people, it's the perfect storm for them because the only place that people can do their shopping is either mm-hmm. in the supermarket or online. Yes, there are some smaller businesses that have been able to find a platform online, but in reality, the the, the mom and pop, local shops, local pubs, local stores, all of those businesses are in severe um, decline and they're probably going to go out of business because of what's happening at the moment. And it's an absolute disgrace and a travesty. More, more, more importantly, and again, I... Uh, my concern is not just about the United States from this perspective, because I do believe that that the the type of people that we're talking about now really are the true backbone of every every Absolutely. economy in the world. Absolutely, I mean, and that's and that's why, and we're leaving them behind. And, mm-hmm. and you know what's going to happen here is that the virus will be blamed for this, not the politicians. That's the first yeah. thing. Just and, like the potato famine. Well, 
perhaps, but the, in this particular thing, the virus will be blamed for the pro, uh, not the politicians, and um, and and also it's it's become the cover for well, you can only you know let's go back to what's actually happening here. I I read something the other day, Jay, and I'd like to know your opinion on this uh, because I think we do need to start to talk about figures here and establish which figures are actually correct because I think that's important when we talk about the way forward for the American public after the election. So, for example, I read the other day, and I'm going to give you rough figures, but um, President Trump, if you look outside the swing swing states, won 86% of the local uh, votes, i.e. If you, if, you, if, 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 if you call it the county votes, if you look at the map of the USA, I've seen it, he won 86% of the county votes, Joe Biden won 16%. Now, if you then look at the states, I think it was, I think it was 42 states against 22. To, to, to Then when you started to look at the swing states, this is where it all changed. And within those swing states, it changed in those six counties, so six metropolitan areas that flipped the vote um, uh, and, and allowed him to have this amazing... Uh, a 10 million more votes than than uh, than John, Donald Trump, the same Donald Trump that vote had 11 million more. I think it was 11 or 8 million more votes than um, than uh, President Obama in his pomp. When right. you look at all those rea- reality of those figures, I, I've got them. I can tweet them out. Yeah, but I've got the exact figures. Nobody with any sanity could say that there's something wasn't very very wrong with those figures. Yeah. And yet, your media seems to be able to get away with just saying, oh, no, no, don't look, don't look. We don't need to check. We don't need to do signature checks. Baseless claims. You're making baseless claims, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, baseless. And mm-hmm. they're even they're so baseless that you can't even check whether they're right or not. Um, I do want to, uh, I want to, I'm, I'm not distracting us, but I think we got a great question that I wanted to ask Jay about the debt, and then we'll come back to numbers, because it's all about numbers. You mentioned Jay, twenty-three trillion in debt, and we all we, we've said forever we can't have our grandchildren paying for this debt. But yet we continue to occur debt, and we've accelerated our debt through each presidency. Yeah. What 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 do what do we do about that? And does it matter, or we just continue to owe people? So if you listen, if you uh, uh, if you listen to the people that seem to understand this whole debt thing. Because, uh, uh, you know me, Trent, it's been a pet peeve of mine for like now 20 years, right? I used to go up and lobby against spending any money on anything right. uh, at one point, And that we needed to figure out, if you want to do something, just give people an incentive by reducing taxes on something and and stop funding it. And stop calling revenue government money income. Just stop that, right? Yeah, good point. So I've, but all that aside, I've listened to, I've listened to a bunch of people talk about how, um, the first, uh, they basically discount the first 12 to 14 trillion of that debt, uh, as something that happened before them. And it's at higher interest rates. So as we refinance in a basically a zero, uh, basis interest world, they see themselves paying off debt. Uh, at some point and that we're actually in a better financial position. I don't buy it at all. I just say that literally to, to give you the perspective. So they, 
when when you talk to the people that are in DC that are really kind of trying to manage the debt, what they tell you is twenty three trillion is not really a problem because we'll actually pay off some of the debt literally with just smaller. Uh, we'll have almost no interest payments on the debt in the future. Well, that's that's kind of like you and I. Um, uh, we go out and say, I want to buy a new home, and I go out and I f- say, hey, look, I can buy a home I can afford, or I can buy a home I can't afford, and I'll just do an interest-only note, and I got really low interest rates right now, and in seven years, I'll worry about you know what happens when I have to refinance that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, we all know what happens, right? 2007, 8, and 9 were a perfect example of that. The whole world experienced that mindset. And, who's, okay, and, who's the money owed to? Who's the money owed to? Well, not the same people it was. And it's we, we owe less money to the Chinese than what most people think. We owe a bunch of money to people in the United Kingdom, uh, including the royal family, hold a bunch of that sovereign debt, right, for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a bunch of it now is just being printed out. If you look at the activity in the bond market and what's going on with T-bills, People are buying that just as almost like a safe harbor type activity. And so less of the less U.S. debt. I, it, it, the last time I looked at it here a couple of months ago, the less of U.S. debt is owned by people that I really think are our enemies as a percentage than it was in the past. Right. Well, that's, that's important. That's, that's, important. A good thing. that's a good thing, right? Uh, I also, though, kind of look at it some, in some respects that if we're going to stiff somebody for the bill, you just do that like in a tweet. Right? <laughs> China, you go like, hey, China, guess what? Yeah. Happy holidays. None. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, so let, let's go back to the numbers. Come on, Jay. Give me, it, your, give me your, your play on these numbers. Just say, tell me, is there some accuracy in what I'm saying or do you yeah. think that it, there's far more at play here? No, well, so there is more at play, right? I mean, we all know that some counties have huge populations, right? The five okay. boroughs or eight boroughs around New York or the eight counties around New York City basically is the state of New York's block of votes. Uh, and I get that. Yeah. Same thing takes place in almost every state in the United States. But your percentages are pretty accurate. And last week, Trent brought this up, and I think it really is – the cornerstone of the whole conversation about what's going on politically in the United States is that this is an urban versus rural conversation. And there's a different value system in rural America than there is in urban America. It's, I'm not being condemning of either side. You don't have to pick and choose. They're just different. And who they look to for solutions is dramatically different. If you go out, if I were to go see one of Brent's or Trent's neighbors, sorry, Trent, uh, if, if I were to go out and see one of Trent's neighbors, or he and I were to spend all day out on his place working, government Somebody should. Yeah, well, it would be rare for Trent to spend all day working because he's got a good family that covers Go him. ahead, Joe. I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're you're welcome. <laughs> uh, if that were to, if that were to actually be the case, though, I doubt that every time we find something wrong, that somebody would say, you know what, we need somebody to come fix that. That's just not the way it works, right? Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, for a farmer in Scotland, it's exactly the same thing. He looks to figure out how to solve his own problem first, 
And then mm-hmm. maybe he ends up having to be having to be a look elsewhere for outside assistance. But yeah. I mean, it's the basic nature of people that live in rural America is that they want to be self-sufficient. It's why I like them. Right. I mean, it's why people um, uh, like me have the values that we do. I was kind of raised in that particular environment. Yeah. In, in urban settings, you just don't, you don't have that. They always look for somebody to fix it for them. They don't fix, don't, they don't take apart their own toaster and try to figure it out. Mm. I mean, they just don't. They don't fix their own flat tires. They don't work on their own homes. They don't do any of those sorts of things. A handful do, but they're the minority and they have their own YouTube channel. Jay, along those lines, I've been thinking about a lot of things that I never really thought about. I've always said that when you pave the roads in rural America, you bring the city closer to you. And it's that urban thought I'm talking about. But you know, the one push that we've had in rural America, and now I'm saying, whoa, is anybody recognizing that this may be a challenge? The push has been, we want to get everybody access to rural water. We're going to pipe water to your house. And if things really did get bad, what happens if they decide, yeah, we're going to turn that water off? Cut it off. What about power, right? I mean, electricity and water. Absolutely. Two yeah. essentials. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Right. And we, um, you know, I listen to the, the, the all of us uh, uh, have uh, a, a family story, right? And, uh, one of my one of my ancestors was a person that kind of settled a little small community and kind of created that little tiny community. And when you listen to the stories about how that community interacted and supported itself, think about the way we most of us live our lives today. Uh, uh, while everything in the past is not great, my grandfather used to always say that remember things sucked back then. Uh, that's why we changed, right? And so he he would he would kind of bring you back to reality in that respect, but we're going to have to be smart about what we pick and choose that we bring out of that out of that and bring into our own neighborhoods. Um, I I have something to bring into the neighborhood, and then we'll finish up with the last segment. It is rural route. Neogen is creating the opportunity to look at your genetic future. Take your food animals, look at their genomics, determine what their DNA fingerprint. Tom Schultz put that very well last week. It is a DNA fingerprint so that you know how to minimize the mistakes with the selections and breedings that you make. It's all about producing more with less and continuing the efficiencies that American agriculture has led the way with. Neogen.com. And we will make it available to those of you in the UK as well if you want to. Shining a light on your genetic future. Neogen.com. We'll be back with the final segment of Rural Route. Jay Truett and Drew Henderson right after this. Welcome back. Rural Route. Trent Luce with the distracted Andrew Henderson. Jay Truett, what do you mean you're about to get fined? A parking attendant has been walking around my car and I've realized I've not got a ticket and I've been here longer than an hour. So I think he's about to do me. But there you go. Happy Just days. Put it on uh, Roll Routes tabs. Yeah. <laughs> hundred pounds. And send anyway. it to Puerto Rico. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> to me. Sure. I'll forward it when I get to it. 
Hey, but anyway, with, I, I've with been the new with the new stimulus second, package, Jay can use it as a write-off. It'll be a, a, an expense in a, in business. Well, I was listening to it, but I I I um I uh, I listened to every word, and there was no point in interrupting because I think it was very profound what Jay was saying. I mean, at the end of the day, we we are in a position where we've got to try and unite rural and urban areas. That's the big question mark over us all, isn't it? It is. It is, and and again, I think the answer is a little more complicated uh, than what we would like to admit. I think all of us, yeah. I think all of us would uh, in that are that have. I, so I can't say that I'm a rural American anymore, right? I lived too many years in the city. Um, I and I kind of become uh, some mishmash between the two. I, I I admit that, right? Right, but. With that said, I do think it allows me to be a little bit objective and make this statement that I think that um, in rural America, we we believe deep heartedly that uh, our value system is better. And that um, our approach to community and life and everything else is better. Now, I tend to agree with that. Uh, But what. But what we don't realize is that uh, people that live in cities uh, think the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, while we're cons- uh, rural, rural America is considered kind of the uneducated masses, uh, yeah. right? I mean, that's the way we're referred, even though uh, everybody on the show here, you know, we all have degrees of some sort or another, if nothing else from hard knocks and uh, which is more valuable than the, than the one I got from Cambridge, right? So you you can you can you can put all of that stuff in in one mix, and what you realize is that people begin to like just place values on you as a person in different respects in those two different societies. In Trent's neighborhood, and probably in your neighborhood, Andrew, I'm guessing um, that your word is your bond, and the uh, you don't need a contract because your handshake matters, and the things that you say matters, et cetera, et cetera. And people don't look at you so much because of where you went to school or what you did somewhere else. They care about what you actually did, what really matters. In the rest of the country, what you say matters more than what you did. And that has been the controlling force in Washington, D.C. for a long time. What infuriates people in the city about Donald Trump is is something that they loved when he was on a, a reality show, right? He was brash and 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 he made outrageous statements and he did things that other people wouldn't normally do. Um, and when he came to Washington, D.C. and he was brash and made outrageous statements, and then most importantly in my book, um, uh, because he did what he said he was going to do. Trent knows this. Initially, I wasn't his biggest fan. Neither was I. And and what he actually did was exactly as you said, Andrew. He did exactly what he said he was going to do, precisely. Which is something that hasn't happened in Washington D.C., especially in the GOP world, forever, forever. Well, and you've got a guy that's now going to be potentially the president who's says he's going to make a big difference, but he's been in there for 47 years before that. He's not going to do anything. I, I mean, I, I, so I still have a handful of clients that I, that I advise on how they should approach Washington. I really don't lobby anymore like, uh, yeah. like I used to. But um, 
just yesterday I had a long conversation with somebody and I said, you know what, if we can, if you can keep, keep one seat in, in the Senate, then don't worry about anything because nothing's going to change. And, and you don't need to worry about Joe Biden uh, running over you. Um, that sh- I, I'm not actually concerned about that from a legislative standpoint. From a regulatory standpoint, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff they can do that's awful. Um, the, the new head of the EPA is going to change the way America functions. Uh, and if, if, if he's actually sworn in as the administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency, uh, Katie, bar the door. Um, well, well, listen, Jay, just coming back to this, let's pull it back right back to where we are today. Quite rightly said, there's a difference between the way you and I see uh, a, a, your word is your bond and all the different things that you relate to there in terms of how rural and possibly urban, there's a difference in terms of the way people perceive things. But are you really telling me that, and this is the, this is the number of this, that um, the, the difference is that um, in, in rural areas we say count, count all the legal votes and in urban areas we say count all the votes. Are you telling me that that is the difference between rural and urban America? Because if it is, I don't believe that. I've spoken to somebody that's a multi-multi-millionaire as well recently within your country that's actually said to me that he knows the election was fraud. And this is the but, but they had to get rid of Trump. And I said to him, I can't believe you're saying that. You really believe that? And he said, well, that's what people tell me. I said, who? Who? What we got to remember is if you know that this is an illegal fraud and somebody else has put another guy in as president, you need to know who that person is and what his motive are or that those persons are and what their motives are. For you to believe that, and the only reason that he... It's because the, the media have told him what, what a terrible guy Trump is. And you look at it and you go, okay, so start to explain to me all the things that Trump has done wrong. And they find it very, very difficult then when you start asking those questions. He tweeted. That's, a, that's the end of the story. He tweeted. Well, and it's mean. Right. He, he didn't act presidential is what the machine says. And what, yeah, that, yeah. what you have to define that as. So the, the true offense of Donald Trump is really not any of those things. It's one thing that's really at the core. And the, the, the core of it was that he and, and I think it came out a little bit this weekend in those uh, the, the, the revelations about how those meetings went inside the White House. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've been in White House meetings where people holler and yell yep. at each other and scream, including ones where the president was sitting at the table and he was screaming at people. It, it happens, right? It's a passionate environment and people have passion that do those jobs. I get all that. People shouldn't freak out about that aspect of it. That happens in every administration, in every yep. country in the world, I'm sure. Except for in China, right? Yeah. Um, and, and maybe Venezuela, where you just get shot if you raise your voice. But with that said, the, the, the core of the problem is, though, is that Trump didn't um, bow down to the, to the establishment machinery that makes everything in Washington, D.C. work. Right. And I think we had no um, – some of us that talked about it were called freaks, you know, or radicals or conspiracy wingnuts and, and all kinds of things for a lot of years. Um, but with that said, I think finally the broader swath of people really realized what that really means. 
we have a Department of Justice that has basically failed us across the board at the bureaucratic level. They yesterday, yeah, they, I they agree. took the time to brag about an investigation that it took them thirty-two years or thirty years to solve. And I get well, it. well uh, even then you don't know whether they've solved it. Right. And, and I understand it's a meaningful announcement, right? But seriously, you're you're yeah. now that it took you 30 years to do something yeah. uh, to actually bring an indictment. Um, yeah. And and I just don't I don't that's not the way that's not the way the rest of us measure success. And it's not no. the way Donald Trump measured success. When he no. said he was going to build a wall, he intended to build a Actually, build a wall, not yeah. just send drones up and down the border and call it a wall. It wasn't going to be an electric fence, no, no. you know. Yeah. Um, it was going to be really what he said. So, Jay, I'm, 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 pushing, I'm pushing you a bit here, but I'm going to say it. So let's just say that evil in the short term over, wins over good, because that's the only way I can describe this. And that Joe Biden is inaugurated as the 46th or the 47th, whatever, 46th president. And then the next thing he does is try to uh, uh, bring lots of legal cases against Donald Trump, because I'm I'm hearing that that might be the next tactic. How is that going to play with the American people? Um, It depends on which group of people you're talking about, right? For 74 million or 77 million or whatever the correct number is of people, um, uh, it's going to be really offensive. And for 80 million, million or billion for all, they might as well just change the numbers, right? Um, yeah. um, they're going to be supportive of of Joe, right? I mean, it'll be about this is uh, – they'll blame that on Trump uh, as well. But listen, I, I, I think – I don't think Joe Biden being sworn in is evil winning. I think, um, and, and, and I got to say this carefully, right? Um, but I do believe that uh, if we let the election stand without addressing and fixing the problems, that's evil winning. I mean, no offense, Donald Trump is not the source of good. Donald Trump is an example of a, a completely different structure and how it could be. But he's not the he's not the only person that could bring that to the table. I don't see who the next Donald Trump is. I'll give you that. Well, okay. Well, I I, we have to agree to disagree here on one thing. I I've started to hear that that rhetoric coming out from the GOP politicians where they say, oh, well, um, we know we know we know it was stolen from us so we can make sure that it never gets stolen from us again. That is so empty because at the end of the day. They can't even get um, the, the the administration and the and the law-abiding uh, officers in the U.S., whether mm-hmm. it be the army, the navy, or the, the the courts, to investigate what's what's hot to trot. They could easily find out whether this was true right now. Right, I That's agree. Bit, I can't I accept that you then say, "Oh well, because we know it was a fraud." What we'll do is make sure that they can't get away with it again. That doesn't ride with me because if they got away with it once, they'll find the ways and they know that the GOP did nothing about it the first time. They'll find ways to get around whatever the, the new rules are. Mm. The minute you let somebody do something like that and you let and them get away with it, it never goes away. 
<clears throat> That'll have to be the last word today, Jay Truett, Andrew Henderson. I guess I'm going to say the last word. I hear Andrew expecting somebody in a cheating culture to stand up and say, hey, you won by cheating. What sports figure hasn't been accused of cheating? Just as an example, the greatest bicycler in the world yeah. caught cheating. We can't expect people to hold them accountable when they're guilty themselves. We have successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. For Jay Truett, Andrew Henderson, Trent Luce, we all remind you that all roads do lead to a rural route without rural water. Jay, that-